0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper.
1: Today FM. It all
0: happens here.
1: Today
0: FM. Carl Thomas, I have listeners concerned for your safety in Florida. We spoke to you last week after the hurricane. You were fine in the part of Florida that you're in, but it seems that more and more damage was done since we were last speaking to you.
2: It's true, Matt. The storm, uh, Hurricane Ian, moved up the west coast of Florida and has devastated uh, the city of Fort Myers and uh, and inland and parts of South Carolina. Uh, you look at this, particularly uh, Sanibel Island, which was a very, very uh, wealthy uh, area and uh, tourist attraction, of it has been wiped out. It looks like some kind of nuclear bomb was exploded on the island. Uh, The bridge to the island was wiped out, and rescuers have had to come in with helicopters and boats to get the remaining people off. One of the remarkable things, though, about this very strong Category 4 storm is that so far the uh, number of uh, deaths is only at 60. Now, it's terrible that 60 were killed, but I think it's a reflection of uh, people took the warnings to evacuate seriously, and that's one of the reasons that uh, uh, the death toll is as low as it is.
0: But will those parts be rebuilt, or will they be effectively abandoned on the basis that they are vulnerable to further weather events?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's a central question, especially when the federal government is involved through uh, FEMA uh, in providing a lot of uh, money for these areas. We talked last week about uh, other areas uh, that people have lived on in the Mississippi River and on the West Coast that's prone to earthquakes, fires and mudslides. If you choose to live in these places, I think you have to take the responsibility for yourself when it comes to either getting the proper insurance or uh, just taking a chance on your future. The Wall Street Journal reports today that a lot of Floridians over the last several years have dropped flood insurance, which is a major mistake. And they did it because the costs keep going up for obvious reasons.
0: Marion McKeown is with us as well. And Marion, this storm hurricane also affected Puerto Rico, where President Joe Biden went yesterday. Um, Did he do more for the Puerto Ricans than throw toilet rolls at them, as his predecessor Donald Trump once famously did?
1: Uh, No, Matt, I think that what he did was something that was very practical. Uh, He acknowledged, first of all, there were three things I think that were really just a practical approach. Uh, First of all, he said they're going to spend money, 60 million dollars, which is not very much at all, but it's a good investment in shoring up the coastal defences against flooding of this nature, that you build up the seawalls, uh, you you improve the drainage systems, etc. And that should go some way towards... It's it's always a better idea to spend money to prevent you having to spend a lot more when the damage happens. He also said that he would give the Puerto Ricans $700 each, uh, which they were apparently not going to get, which which mainland America gets when it has storm damage. And, you know, Puerto Rico was treated terribly in 2017 by, by Donald Trump. And really, the, the top Tossing off the paper rolls was only the, the, the top of it. Uh, the, the, the funds were delayed. The FEMA funds were, were held up. He didn't want to send them at all. It took a year to get their power back. It was absolutely appalling. I think that it is to Ron DeSantis's credit, and you don't hear me praise him often, uh, but that he did get a bit of sense. Ron DeSantis, you may remember, was one of the congressmen who refused to sign off on disaster relief funds for um, when Hurricane Sandy hit back in 2012 because it hit New York and New Jersey, blue states, and this time He did write his dear Mr. President letter to Joe Biden, who he has vilified since before Joe Biden was elected president. And, you know mocked him in really ridiculous ways and flown, you know, used money to, to fly uh, migrants up to Martha's Vineyard. And, you know, it showed that when he had to, you know, when votes when are on the table, because he's up for re-election in November, uh, he did behave as a governor should behave. Uh, he got in touch with Biden, he worked with him, they worked together, the FEMA people came down, the National Guard came down, and as a result, as Cal said, now I heard there were 83 deaths, which is a lot, but compared to the 3,000 in Puerto Rico, after Irma and Maria, compared to the 2000 after Hurricane Katrina, there was a massive efficient rescue program. There was a massive efficient evacuation program, and it really goes to show that when you have people working properly together, that you can save lives and you can. But as for the rebuilding, you know, it's interesting because one of the things Florida insurance companies out won't provide flood damage, and they don't have to. So now, if there's a disaster. It's FEMA that provides a national insurance flood programme and you have to apply to that. But I agree with Cal. Look, if if you're in an area where it's constantly being pounded by storms and hurricanes and you rebuild each time and then you get state money to rebuild, I think you've got to say at a certain point, look, you know, go live somewhere else.
0: Now, Elon Musk is South African born, which means he could never be the American president. But he's displaying Donald Trump like tendencies on Twitter when it comes to making pronouncements such as telling Ukraine effectively to give up a large chunk of its land to try and get a peace deal with Russia. How has this gone down in the United States, Carl? Because the Ukrainians are absolutely furious with him.
2: Right. Well, he, and, he, and Elon Musk, just to add something else, has just renewed his $44 billion uh, bid to take over Twitter. That just passed, crossed on the wires a few minutes ago. Uh, I think he's behaving less like Donald Trump and more like Neville Chamberlain. You may remember that uh, 1938, the Munich Pact uh, ceded certain portions of the Sudetenland, German-speaking Czechoslovakia, to Adolf Hitler in hopes that it would uh, avoid World War II. That didn't work out too well, did it? And I think you cannot uh, accommodate evil. You have to oppose it. Uh, I think Musk was wrong on this. Uh, He wants the U.N., to uh, have another annexation vote uh, to determine whether uh, Russian-speaking people in Ukraine would like to be formally part of Russia. This is after Putin, of course, has killed uh, untold thousands of people, including women, children, and babies, destroyed schools, destroyed uh, homes, uh, destroyed ways of life for many people, caused a massive evacuation of Ukraine, and even uh, Russian soldiers or people who uh, were up for the draft who uh, who are fleeing Russia right now. So I think this is a terrible plan and he ought to stick to buying Twitter.
0: He can be an awful pain to put up with, isn't he, Marion, with uh, some very half-baked ideas which gets an enormous amount of traction because of his Twitter following.
1: You know, I find him insufferable. I, there's no denying that he is a very brilliant guy and he has done some very w- brilliant work with you know, the development of, of the Tesla cars and other things. But his ego is just out of control. You know, he, he insists on getting involved, as you say, these Trump-like Twitter spats. And you can only suppose it's to get attention for himself. Nobody needs his input on the Ukraine-Russian war, least of all the Ukrainians. And, you know, when I saw that, I thought, can you imagine if, OK, not likely, but if Canada invaded America and then said, OK, you know what? We'll have a we'll have a referendum and see if California, Washington and Oregon want to stay part of Canada and, and then rigged it. I mean, it, it's tantamount to that. It's ludicrous. And, and he frankly doesn't know what he's talking about. He should stick to robots. In fact, it might be a good idea if he managed to take his brain and put it in a robot, thereby separating it from his ego, because he really is becoming a very ridiculous character at this stage.
0: Well, as Cal just gave us the break news which is now setting stock markets alight about Twitter we will come back and discuss that in a lot more detail with Ian Guider in the Business News shortly after 6 o'clock but it's a suggestion uh, that the shares in Twitter surged on this report and they've been now suspended so we'll see what's actually happening of course Musk uh, was outed last week as having known all about the bots issue in advance of his original bid which undermined his legal action significantly uh, Marion, I'll go back to you because one you wanted to talk about, um, the death of Loretta Lynn. Um, why is she an iconic figure in American culture?
1: You know, I, 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 it's, it's almost where to start. Loretta Lynn was was born in Kentucky. And when I say dirt poor, she died today, aged 90. She had a career, honestly, almost unlike any other woman. She was probably pretty much the Hank Williams of country music. Only she survived and had a tenacity that was really formidable she was a grandmother at 29 I mean that was she had four children while she was in her early teens and yet she she overcame a life of incredible deprivation and poverty and became the most successful country music icon in American history uh, wrote her own songs performed her own songs first women woman to win a country music award in 1972 she also wrote about things like contraception she wrote songs about contraception, she wrote about domestic violence, she wrote about really current things and she got no thanks for it And, and one sign of her heroism was when she won this and her courage, when she won the CMA award it was to be presented to her by a black country singer called Charlie Pride and she was told that when she was on TV not to touch him in any way because the southern people watching would go berserk if a white woman even shook hands with a black man and she went on stage and hugged him and basically said to hell with you racists and she just had courage all the way um as i say like raised six children in the end and and just has like a uh, music had 51 top 10 hits uh, and and did it all coming from literally nowhere and did it all herself she was tough as heck as well you know she didn't she didn't suffer fools uh, but i think for somebody to have her legacy was so formidable and and as i say unlike a lot of the male peers she would have had she didn't destroy herself with r- drinking drugs she st- tough and dedicated and her work ethic she was she was making records with the White Stripes recently you know she she never stopped working so I think she's a huge loss and well, she's clearly also a, a hero to
0: you anyway Marion uh, <laughs> Cal I know you love your music I'm not sure you're a big country music fan are you?
2: Well, I like some of it, yeah, and uh, Loretta Lynn was amazing. There's a restaurant uh, uh, dedicated to her in uh, in uh, Tennessee, uh, which I've been to. She was an influence on the likes of Patsy Cline, Dolly Parton, Tammy Wynette, June Carter, uh, uh, the the Wynonna Judd, the Judd's... Uh, and just a tremendous influence. And and Marion's right. Her personal story is, at one end, very tragic. A mother at 13, a coal miner's daughter brought up in abject poverty, but she overcame. And that used to be an American story. That used to be an American ethic. No matter where you start in life in the United States, you can, with persistence, uh, overcome the most uh, uh, de- deprivating circumstances. I think she was tremendous. I I, I wasn't as big a fan as, uh, as Marion is, but I, I liked her music and I liked her life story better. That's
0: an upbeat story. The next one, though, Marion, certainly isn't. And while American soccer, uh, women's football, has mm. had a tremendous number of years, we now discover it has been riven by problems of sexual abuse. This might be distressing to some listeners, we should warn, particularly if they're young ears, but also quite revealing uh, tell us a brief outline of this please Marion
1: uh, this is a profoundly depressing story which follows the trail of it's it's like a carbon cut out of the church sexual abuse stories the US gymnastics the US swimming and the Boy Scouts in that these coaches who had way too much power no accountability preyed on young women, some of them while they were teenagers and minors, and bullied them and sexually abused them and harassed them and coerced them into sexual activity um, just because they had the power to do so. There were three um, coaches in particular. The, um, The investigation into them was conducted headed up by Sally Yates, who you may remember Donald Trump fired as a deputy attorney general for refusing to uphold his Muslim ban. But she has done a very thorough job here. But it shows the same thing that, they were, they were reported. There were investigations which were buried, and then the classic one: these coaches were allowed to go and work in other with other young girls and other young women's teams because they weren't um, it, they weren't drummed out of the business as they should have been. Just like the old parish priest stories, where when they were, there were complaints, they just send them somewhere else and let them do it again with impunity. It's absolutely appalling, and thank God that it has been exposed now. And as I said, that these these three coaches in particular, but they're. Are probably many, many more are being held to account uh, just yeah. a profoundly depressing story carl
2: yeah yeah let me let me weigh in on that because you know Simone Biles, who was uh a uh, very famous olympic athlete uh, withdrew from olympic competition precisely because she had she was uh, uh, sexually attacked and abused i think there not only do these people uh, who have allegedly pre- performed these horrible acts against uh, young girls and women need to be held accountable but uh, i also think that we ought to have the uh, chaperone equivalent uh, of what we used to have uh, of having a, a woman in the room in the gym where there is a male trainer or coach on these things. I think that would help alleviate these circumstances and prevent a lot of this stuff.
0: Carl Thomas and Mary McKeown as ever thank you for joining us here on The Last Word of Today FM. The
1: Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM